Just Earthly is a podcast for the nature lover, environmental enthusiast, outdoor adventurer, free spirit, and seeker. We belong outdoors, where we find union, belonging, inspiration, and at home with ourselves, each other, and our planet. We go inside to go outside. We go outside to go inside. We gather for self-healing, world healing, here on this earth. Welcome to the Just Earthly Podcast. My name is Mandy Metzger, founder of Interland Botanicals, and I'm your host. So I am so excited to welcome Lauren Schwinz of Subnormal Child to the Just Earthly podcast today. We're going to dive deep into what Lauren does. Um, she does a lot of things and I love the integration with nature, um, how she weaves that into her business. So let's get started. Lauren, do you want to tell me a little bit about what you do, what your business is about? Sure. Um, I consider myself an art ritual facilitator. So I use art as a practice with folks to um, get connected to their child self, slow down and touch base with their emotions, um, as well as just learn how to use art a little differently as an artist. Um, since being a child, I know what it feels like to feel burnt out from being creative and trying constantly to create work um, as a business. And so I like to help folks use art, whether that's natural dyeing or um, art ritual circles that I hold, reframe their practice to basically be one of self-care rather than just producing product, yeah. if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And that's so important as I, usually say this podcast is for self-healing and world healing so self-care mm -hmm. that is such an so so important to make sure that you're taking care of yourself um mm -hmm. I feel like taking care of yourself also helps you be more creative like sometimes I notice that I get mm. stuck and that's because I'm not really I kind of lose sight of like me mm -hmm. like embodying certain things and rituals um so yeah so important do you um like what inspired you to start this business so it was definitely like an accumulation of a lot of different things coming out of college I was super burned out um I went to school for illustration with a minor in painting and the school that I went to it was very intense and I will also say I definitely had some um, toxic belief systems around art making um, that I needed to unpack. So I thought a lot of what I needed to do was just work harder and work harder and work harder um, and didn't really take care of my mental health or my physical health for the majority of my college years. So once I graduated, I was feeling very burnt out and kind of struggling to find myself. So as I was connecting with my spiritual path, I was reconnecting with my art path. And that has been since 2013. Fast forward to um, 2020 with the uh, pandemic and I was teaching online 
there, I, I over time became an art teacher full-time at an elementary school, which was amazing, very intense. And we were teaching online and I was given this opportunity because we were online learning to not only teach art, but to teach SEL with art. And SEL, for folks that don't know, that stands for social emotional learning. And infusing that into art for my students that I had already been teaching for over a year was so powerful. It was so beautiful to witness students use art as a way to help regulate or just like self-inquiry rather than what I had seen just a year prior where I'm trying to teach perspective and suddenly we have a blowout and someone gets frustrated and mad and that became the trigger. It went from being the trigger to being the method of regulation so that when I was let go um, from my position because they just didn't have the funding for an art teacher anymore, I felt really called to start holding that sort of space for adults because the more I was sharing this with my students, the more I was like, oh, I need this wisdom too. Oh, I think we all need this wisdom too. So it became like a very beautiful snowball effect where it was like once the wheels were turning, I was already using art intuitively in my own practice and having unlearned some of those toxic um, belief systems or um, those, those blocks that I like to call them, those ideas of how it should be, yeah. that, that was really revolutionary. And it's been really cool to support folks who were in similar situations, feeling burnt out, feeling lost with their art, be able to connect back with it again in a way that just feels really nourishing. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. How did you arrive at the name Subnormal Child? So the name of your business. Yeah. Um, so I've always been kind of the weirdo. Um, I have always been a little bit of a strange kid and have really embraced that my whole life. Um, and so when I moved to Philly, I was kind of looking for an identity as an artist, as um, an artist's name, because I had several friends that had that. And I was kind of like, what is that going to be for me? Um, and so coming across the term subnormal was really fun. And I loved combining it with child because it turned it into more of a playful thing. And yeah. With my art, I'm really like dedicated to nurturing the inner child, to embracing the weirdness. And with subnormal, that to me represents beneath the surface of normal, like our subconscious. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I really try to tap into is turn my brain off and let the back seat driver get in the front and just kind of like drive the bus for me. Um, and do that channeling. And so that's kind of where it came from. It was very serendipitous. Um, and also it kind of freaked my mom out because the first thing I did was change my Instagram handle and she texted me and she was like, are you feeling okay? <laughs> I was like, I'm feeling great. This is not a negative thing. It's totally, you know, subnormal might feel like 
kind of like underworldly in a scary way, but I feel like with art, my art, I've always been like, my characters are kind of creepy, but charming. Yeah. And so I, I enjoy writing that line of like sweet, but also like esoteric. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like, I, I love the words of normal too, but it's funny because I haven't really, something that you don't hear too. I feel mm-hmm. like you don't hear that word too often. Yeah. So, yeah. What inspires you to create your own artwork? So how, how do you move into more of a creative flow when you feel stuck? Hmm. It kind of depends. I feel like right now, um, one practice, so I share art as ritual with folks and it can be a little formulaic and I've kind of been using that formula for myself lately of just kind of sitting down, finding what my intention might be. Sometimes, um, well, a lot of the times it's, the intention is to connect with a certain moon or to just kind of channel um, I think the last lunation that I really tapped into was the full moon in Sagittarius. And so I, I just kind of sat down, took some deep breaths and wrote an intention on my paper. And after just a quick meditation, just was like, okay, let's see where spirit lets this flow. And that was, that, that is kind of my go-to right now and just like using the same practices that I share with folks in a space to just kind of be really open and see what comes up and what came up for me for the full moon in Sagittarius was I uh, drew the devil card in my own representation devil card and tarot and it's been like such great medicine I've been really loving that card lately so I'm really happy it came through through that meditation and that that practice I um I really like integrating like that spiritual practice too Mm -hmm. work I I feel like it just really helps that manifestation process and yeah absolutely So you have an offering called Earth Connection. I saw on your website Mm -hmm. and it is intuitive art as a grounding practice. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that offering? Yes. So I have kind of a, so as an elementary school art teacher, I have a whole bag of different lesson plans as it were for, for folks. I'm such a teacher brain. I love my Google slides. Um, (laughs) so as I you know I have my work with my natural dyes and that's one practice that I use to really connect with the earth and really connect with the seasons um but what I wanted to kind of integrate is kind of that magic in that space that sacred ritual with the intuitive artwork that I was doing so a lot of that um ritual is really focused on bringing awareness to what does earth represent to us as a like, as a element, as a um, nurturer, as it connects to plants and all of these different things, just kind of unpacking our visual language with it and connecting to that as a way to get grounded and 
one of the things that really inspired that was living in Philadelphia. Um, there's not always access to the earth as it were, and it feels sometimes a little more distant than it once we want it to be. Um, so the concept was connecting with the idea of earth and channeling that as a way to get grounded and feel that way. Even if you are in the middle of winter and you can't go outside because you live in the city and it's all slushy and it's just gross. And it just gives you that space to be, even though we can't put our feet on the earth in that moment, we can still connect in alternative ways that feel really nourishing. What, what are some examples of, do you have some examples of how people represent earth in more of a visual way for you even? Yeah. Well, some of the visuals that I give as um, examples might be like a cup of ginger tea. That idea of that earthy nourishment can be really grounding. Roots from a tree, that's another really good one. And for some folks, um, part of their work might be working with the chakra system. So working with the color red even and thinking about red fruits and foods and just soaking up all that nourishment. I personally, in my work, use a lot of alchemic symbols. Um, I like have them tattooed on me. So I'm really into using those energies. So there's the alchemic symbol for earth, which is the upside down triangle with the line through it. And that's something that I use in my my art a lot. I use those four elemental symbols to kind of like create some magic with my little characters. It's so neat because I feel like you do intuitive work and you weave that into nature or like like here with the earth element, right? And mm-hmm. this is something I've been thinking about for a while where it's like that intersection of earth and energy conscious thing. Mm. And I've noticed lately how nature has really, um, it really has this grounding effect on me. Mm-hmm. And I do usually think of roots. I think of in Ayurvedic terms, it's kapha. So it's like that. Sometimes it can be like that stuck in mud feeling, but it's like mm. qualities of the earth and water together. And I usually can be very scattered, <laughs> very airy. So like for me, it's very, the earth element is very nourishing. Um, Mm. So it's, it's interesting because you have that when I live in these like spiritual, like more upper chakra, um, like the higher chakras, I feel like sometimes I feel like a floating head. So Mm -hmm. it's neat that like, it's so important to have that balance and it's neat because you integrate that into your work. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So how do you connect? We talked a little bit about your offering with the earth connection, but how does your work connect with nature maybe in some other ways? Well, I feel like as a, as a witch, I definitely connect seasonally and that I feel like is so strong. I am always trying to tap into where's the moon, where's the sun, where are they in the sky and what kind of nourishment does that mean um, on a seasonal level? But over the past five years, I've been into natural dyeing and dyeing with plants. And that has been probably 
um, probably one of the biggest teachers and also the greatest grounding tools that I have found because working with natural dyes, one got me into nature again, it got me gathering. And in that process alone, just picking up certain flowers or looking for bark and giving prayers, like singing to the plants, telling them thank you for their offerings or spitting on the ground, which is one thing I was told was a good thing if you can't offer like your hair or something else in exchange, giving like some spit to the earth so that it can be like, okay, I'm, I'm giving what I'm taking. Um, And that process of that, that like cyclical gratitude where it continues from my hands to a song or whatever I, I am sharing with the earth to the actual process of the dying. And then that dyed fabric, finding a home feels like such a magical process. It feels like such a witchy process. Having my boiling cauldron filled with different plant matter and um, that the process of dying as well is is such a co-creative process Um, and very intuitive because I'm not always sure how it will go. I have a good idea, Um, but it, it doesn't always go as I want it in good and neutral ways, I guess, because it's never bad. It's never like, wow, this is terrible. But it is like, oh, that's just not as bright as I thought it would be. Um, But that's like such a, it's such a whimsical process and and working in tandem with nature. It just has made me slow down. And I notice seasonally what's blooming. Like right now I've been seeing a few Queen Anne's lace and I'm like, ooh, I can die with that soon. Or later in the summer when there's goldenrod, it's like my, one of my favorite dyes. It's so gorgeous. And then in fall, we have black walnut and that is so rich. So like yummy chocolate flavored looking brown. It's so good. So it, it, it's, that's kind of where my work really connects in with nature and really inspires me a whole, whole lot. Do you have a favorite? dye that you like to work with or do you pick one plant or do you so it almost sounds like you pick multiple and work with those or do you usually like to pick like one plant per project or do you mix it up (laughs) it you know it's kind of so I I really just feel it out and it really intends on uh, I'm depends rather on the um, intention. So for some plants, it's really cool to have like, to create a dye bath where I boil the plants and put the the, um, fabric in with them. And that gives an all over dye color. And I can do like different dips in, but then with certain plants like Black Eyed Susans, which is probably one of my favorites, (laughs) love Black Eyed Susans. those are plants that I really, really love as prints. And so I will take the whole flower, including the stem and sometimes the leaves, you will get a beautiful yellow out of the stem. I don't know why it's that way. It's so gorgeous, Um, but I will lay them out on a piece of fabric, usually silk, because I just love how it picks up the, the texture. I'll roll it up. 
around a wooden dowel to kind of help the heat regulate through the fabric. And then I'll either put it in a um, dye bath where it's sitting in boiling uh, plant material and water or yeah. in a steamer. And when I roll it out, it's just beautiful prints. The black centers are just vivid, almost blue purple. And the flower petals themselves are just bright yellow. It's it's like one of my favorite things, just opening those up and being like, you are so perfect. <laughs> oh, about how long does it take to make the dye from plants? I'm sure it depends on what kind of plant, but about how long does that take? For flowers, it's a around 30 to 45 minute process okay. um, for leaves it, one of my other favorite leaves to dye well yeah my favorite leaf to dye with is Japanese loquat it's a super invasive species in Texas where I'm from okay. so I love using it because it's not even supposed to be there um, but you boil the leaves for seven hours and oh <laughs> you get a beautiful peach it's so gorgeous it doesn't need anything done to it you boil it for seven hours I actually got married in October and all my bridesmaids had peach shawls that I had dyed for them because I was like, my, my colors are going to be peach because I want this color in my wedding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so pretty. Mm -hmm. So I always say with this podcast that we do this for self-healing and world healing. And I'm curious how you specifically heal through nature? I feel like a lot of my natural dye work that I started five years ago actually really helped bridge a lot of gaps for me with my intuitive drawing work because there's so much trust that you have to have in the process of natural dyeing. You just kind of, and some people, they make a lot of notes. They take a lot of reference and it's very scientific but for me it really working with plants in this way really inspired incredible and in, in just trust in my intuition trust in the process yeah. um and that has been so present in my work since it has been so pivotal for me to continue back to that trust and that co-creation with natural dyes, it's trusting the nature that I've gathered and trusting that whatever it does is going to be beautiful. Whereas when I'm in art as a ritual and I'm just kind of channeling, that same kind of trust is there. But instead of it being co-creation with those natural organic ingredients, it's more of this co-creation with God, spirit, um, the universe, and that same sort of energy but a little less embodied, I guess, is the way to put it. Less physical and more spiritual. That's beautiful. It kind of as you were describing the process of dying plants, you said there's a lot of them that you, they'll turn out to be something completely different. So it, it kind of reminds me of work around surrender. Mm -hmm. and also just letting go control which I feel like could be so healing in itself too 
Yes, it is. And it, it really, it really is such a powerful pause because I think for me going to school for illustration, you have to start with something and then execute it to a T. There really is no room for, okay, this, the process allows for this to take change because in that system, the concept is a client wants a very specific thing. And that sort of system works really well for some people. It works really well for my husband. Um, but what I have kind of fallen into with my, um, my work and my, my work that I do for clients is there are no like sketches. I will make you like three to six drawings and you just let me know which one you want. The rest are, you know, mine to have and do stuff with, but I, I having that freedom for myself after deciding like, oh yeah, I, I have to just move with trust. And a lot of that trust was so learned from the work with plants. So it definitely healed and, and allowed me to start working in a way that feels more nourishing. That's interesting. How, and kind of like taking this back to the beginning of the podcast, you had said that you had to almost relearn. Well, you, you just said about how you had to relearn how kind of how to create, but mm-hmm. you said that there were these like toxic, um, toxic belief systems. Beliefs, yes, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> belief systems. So I was curious, how do you feel that these toxic belief systems were integrated within you? Like, where did that? If you don't mind going into this, oh so yeah, that's care. a great question. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. that's. That's a super great question. And actually something that I I share with clients all the time, that's pretty foundational is, is unpacking where we, um, where we pick these up. And so what I share with my clients and what I found was true for me is the world kind of impresses upon whether it be through expectations or narratives we are kind of taught certain stories about artists and there's certain narratives that are incredibly pervasive. Um, All of them are really kind of weird and, and do not support a lot of folks. One of which being artists will have to starve. They have to suffer. The, the starving artist is the Mm -hmm. biggest trope. And I think that is really ingrained from an early age for a lot of us because you know, and and this is something that I've also shared is a lot of these ideas become ingrained into us because our parents, our, our society, that becomes our inner critic or our inner parent. And so our inner parent just wants to keep us safe. Inner critic just wants to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. And I even remember my own mother saying, I don't want you to go to school for painting, I want you to go to school for illustration so you won't starve. Those exact words. She had no intention of causing me any frustration or harm, but looking back, I'm like, oh, that's a wound. That was a wound I I see now. Um, And that's a pretty common story that a lot of artists go through. Um, Or there's the idea that you have to 
share everything on Instagram. Everything is Instagrammable. It's content. You have to monetize it. And that's another toxic belief system. Um, I think one that I picked up from my father's super hardworking. He is a, um, an engineer, a mechanical engineer. So I think just from his way of existing and always working extra hard, I kind of compared myself there as well. And so I continue to kind of work hard, work hard, trying to achieve what he had and not really realizing that our lives were just going to look so different as they should. Um, So it's sometimes external and sometimes it's internal, but it's usually the external that we pick up that we just internalize. And I feel like I learned that a lot as a teacher from relationships with my kinders and relationships with their parents and seeing the mirrors that were right in front of me. I was like, teaching really taught me a lot about generational picking up of stuff that we don't really necessarily want. Yeah, it's really interesting because I find that listening to you, to your answer, it seems as though like somewhere during childhood. And also it's interesting because I feel like a lot of times we attach that monetary value in there too. As you were talking, it actually took me back to sitting in um, a chair with a hairstylist when I was in second grade. And I remember her asking me what I wanted to be. And I told her at the time I wanted to be an author. And I remember the first thing that she said was, well, how are you going to make money doing that? So it's (sighs) interesting that you say that. And it just took me right back to my my, uh, Mm -hmm. second grade um, self. So, and it's that same thing, childhood, and also like that monetary value. So, yeah. Right. It's so pervasive. It's, and it it, it always, I think for the most part, it comes from a place of care, but it definitely, you know, second grade, you don't have to worry about how you're making money. We need to stop pressuring kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then you lose that sense of like, play and imagination and like right. the dreams when you're little when mm-hmm. you know you're kind of just oh well money you know it takes that um that logical side into consideration um, right age so mm-hmm. oh, oh I love the work that you do it's so 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 important and I love how you pivoted as well as a school teacher into doing this work so naturally um, how can people connect with you? Do you want to share that? Yes. Um, so I have a website, subnormalchild.com, um, where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter. If you sign up, you get a creative prompt. Um, I'm also on Patreon, um, patreon.com forward slash subnormalchild. So that folks can kind of get integrated with the work without it being so big of an investment or one-on-one can seem intimidating. There's a lot of community there and we meet monthly for creative ritual as a community. Um, But there's also coloring pages and monthly prompts. So you don't have to 
engage with um, art as ritual in person, you can kind of explore it on your own and and feel called to um, just feel what it feels like. Um, but on my website, I also have a, um, I am opening up some creative containers for a private work with folks, folks that really want to dive in deep and maybe unpack some of the wounds, rewire um, their connection. Um, And of course, there's my email is on the website as well. It's connect at subnormalchild.com and always sharing thoughts and feelings on TikTok and Instagram. I love when people connect with me there. Um, I share my creative process. I also share the work that I make. Um, but I also love just reconnecting with folks. So both of those are, um, at subnormal child, all one word, all lowercase little baby letters. Um, (laughs) and so, yeah, I, um, I'm not sure if it's a, uh, you mentioned it. I can share the podcast as well, right? I was going to say, if you were (laughs) Here, here. I, I was going to prompt you. Um, Perfect. That you're a podcast host as well. Mm-hmm. Tell us where what that podcast is and what it's all about. So that podcast is the Subnormal Podcast. It's where I interview artists with spiritual practices because what inspires us spiritually is what fuels us artistically and sometimes the other way around because I'm dyslexic and I always forget which I should start with. Um, <laughs> but that is has been um, another great way to connect with folks and help folks kind of like reconnect with art again. I um, love sharing different artists work. I've had, I've had poets on, I've had musicians on, I've had um, painters and illustrators. And it's been just so amazing to connect with makers and to understand their motivations, their magic, and what kind of rituals other creative people are into. I'm going to have to listen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I will be linking in all those links on how to connect with Lauren um, in the description. And if you're watching on YouTube, it'll be underneath as well. And I'll also link in your podcast too, so people can listen in there as well. Thank you so much, Lauren, for being here today, for sharing what you do. You do some really amazing things. I love how passionate you are about about what you do. You can just tell by the way you talk about it. And yeah, so keep doing it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.